You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good being with you this morning. My name is Ryan. Um, we're preparing for a baptism Sunday coming up. And so to help kind of get this started this morning, I got a couple announcements and then want to share with you about a guy who's getting uh, made the decision to get baptized. So will you welcome up with me uh, Ford and Melinda? They serve on our student ministry, or Melinda and Brandon. Will you guys come on up? Come on and grab a seat right here. And then I, we got the mic right there. Brandon, pick up that mic. So last night we were doing the illumination outreach. You guys have been uh, this is our student ministry team. We've got a number of volunteers. Thank you for being a part of that. Those are all of you that are serving student ministries. And then, uh, Brandon, you guys were out last night. We were reaching out, showing the love of Jesus. Cars are piled up going into illumination. Tell us just a little bit about that. Is it on? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Um, no, it was great. So last night we had about six people out there handing out candy canes, uh, passing out flyers for Christmas, just kind of spreading God's love in our community. And we handed out probably over a thousand candy canes to different cars. It was bumper to bumper. Uh, it was it was very amazing. Yeah. See people's reactions. It was it was. And just FYI, Walmart keeps donating candy canes to us. Isn't that cool? So let's celebrate that. Isn't that cool? All right. And then Melinda, you guys got a youth camp coming up next weekend. Tell us about that. Yeah. So our high school is going to UCYC on Friday, and we'll get back on Sunday. But we get to go there, and we're going to dive into the book of Jonah, and um, or the story of Jonah, I should say, not the book, um, but the story of Jonah. And it's a great time for the kids to learn and um, escape from all the electronics and all of the worldly things that we have, and really focus on God and what he has to say. And it really brings them closer and have an opportunity to learn about baptism and find themselves and really get an understanding of what God calls us to do. So it's a really great opportunity for kids to um, just find out about Christ. It's really cool. It's really uplifting and it's really character building for the kids. Thanks for going on that. And Brandon, you're going on that too. And then uh, Brandon, share your story just a little bit. You're, you're making a decision to come forward in faith and, and be baptized. Tell us a little bit about why you're making that decision right now. So proud of you, so pumped. I am, yes. So uh, I grew up in a Catholic church and was baptized as an infant. And after spending some time reading the scripture, kind of praying about it, thinking about it, um, talking to my parents about their beliefs and everything, um, I've decided that you know baptism is, is my choice and that I'm going to get baptized on the 16th and kind of publicly proclaim my faith. And <laughs> Yes, and I'm very excited, and uh, my parents, grandparents who are part of the Catholic Church are actually going to be here and supporting me on that day, so it's, uh, it's pretty amazing for me. That's right, special. Yeah, man, that's really cool. Well, let me pray. Um, maybe for you, you're at that spot too, and you're like, man, I want to profess my faith for Jesus on a baptism Sunday. That's the 16th. You can register online for that. But we're going to pray for a couple things. We're going to pray for Baptism Sunday. We're going to pray for... Um, a few more things about the outreach, and then we're going to pray for the camp. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this student ministry team. Thank you, God, for the many families that are giving and serving to see life change so that kids can go to camp, scholarship, so that um, uh, men and women like uh, Brandon and Melinda can go and serve in that camp. 
Uh, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for, we pray for Baptism Sunday, for the many people that are going to come forward and make that declaration of faith in Jesus on that Sunday, December 16th. Lord, we pray for the illumination outreach, Lord, that you would continue to supply. Might you even move in the hearts of the managers at Walmart to continue to unload candy canes so that we can share and show the love of Jesus to the thousands of families that are driving through our, our, uh, by our campus every single week. And Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our church. We pray to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's celebrate. Thank you for giving and serving so this can happen. <clears throat> all right. Well, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be looking at a number of different passages. Um, Psalms 24.1. It's just one passage that we'll be looking at. This morning, I'm, what I'm going to be doing is talking to you about the treasure principle. Uh, this is a little booklet uh, that I've picked up over the years. We're going to conclude our financial game plan series. And um, this, th that little booklet, has, I've got two copies. I'm going to give one away to the first come, first serve at the Connection Corner after the service today. And then another one at the second service. My last two copies. This book has changed my life. And it, and it teaches on that principle and the uh, importance of tithing. And by the way, we've had several families uh, step forward and say, hey, we want to start giving back to the church because we want to see more life change. When you just heard the stories of, of people, and you're going to hear more today about people's lives being impacted, that's because people are giving and serving and investing into God's kingdom. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. Um, but I had a story. Somebody came up to me right before the service and said, hey, Pastor Ryan, you never believe, but you know, I took up that, that giving challenge. And in fact, we built a whole web page out. If you want to see that challenge, it's all online and you can see about it and you can, you can, you can join in at any time if you want to. Um, but somebody came up to me and said, I never gave before, or at least I never tied before like that. So I decided to, and then just within a week, crazy story. Doesn't always happen like this. Can't treat God like a magic genie. But they got the bonus, and they had, weren't expecting a bonus, and it came in within just like five days of making that decision. Isn't that cool? Can we celebrate that? Yeah. So I, I just want to say I'm hearing stories, and there's been some neat opportunities as well. Families have stepped forward and said, hey, we want to do that, but they weren't in a position to do that. I said, how about we help you? How about we intercede? How about we give resources back to you in this time? Because you, you're not earning an income. And, and so we've had, it's really opened up a lot of ministry for us. And so I'm excited about that. This morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about uh, the importance of the principles of kind of guiding your financial game plan. You need principles that are powerful to help you move through and make your game plan moving forward from here. Principles are more powerful than policies because principles are, you can adapt and integrate into all of your life. And so um, the first thing is that we're going to see in Psalms 24.1 is this big idea that God owns everything. And then when, when, when we approach our finances, and we're talking about finances, again, Jesus talked about finances a third of the time. And so um, when people come here, if, if you might say, man, it feels like you're always talking about finances. Well, I would be careful to say that because uh, that would mean maybe I, only, I really speak about it about three times a year. So that means maybe you're just here every once in a while. So... so um, but the Bible teaches this big principle that God owns everything. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's, the world, and all those who dwell therein. That means that God owns Europe. It means that God owns Africa. That means God owns North America. That means God even owns Antarctica. He owns the whole world and everybody that dwells within it. And that reality is a very powerful reality. 
and that if he owns everything, everything in the world, then we are his managers. He owns us. He owns everything about us. And so the, the principle that you're going to learn uh, this, this, uh, this morning is that we are his money managers. You think back in American history and even world history, it's about some, a money manager. A money manager is somebody who um, receives funds and then is to manage it on behalf of the person who has those resources. One of the worst money managers in the world history, who would that be? Bernie Madoff. Former chairman of NASDAQ Stock Exchange, better known as the biggest crook in American history. He took people's retirements. He took, people, uh, he took people's investments. He stole them. He confessed operating the largest Ponzi scheme in world history, the largest financial fraud in U.S. history. Prosecutors estimated that he, uh, the size of his fraud was $64.8 billion dollars. On December 10th, 2008, Madoff admitted and called it the big lie. Here's the reality is that's a great example for us to understand bad money managers. What God wants for us is me and you is to be a good money manager. That we see everything he gives us that we're going to be a good manager. God doesn't, look at this principle, I put it in your program, is that we are the managers of assets God has entrusted to us, not given to us. If we don't understand the difference between entrusting and giving, then we'll take and we'll receive everything that God provides for us in our lives and use it for our own, our, our own desires, our own pleasures, rather than saying, God, you own it. You've entrusted me. I'm a money manager. I'm to use all my resources to to provide for my family, to honor you, and I will, I will honor you with what you give me. Here's a question I just want you to wrestle with, is if God owns everything and you are indeed his money manager, if, then what does he want you to do with your resources? Just ask that question to the Lord in this financial game plan. Principle number one, God owns everything, I'm his money manager. Let's put flesh on that vision and I want to introduce you to a friend of mine named Will Landis who decided to apply these principles in his life and it changed his life. So will you welcome to the stage with me, uh, Will Landis. All right, Will, you've been a part of the church for some time. There's the microphone over there if you'll grab it. So your story is, is very unique in that you've been a part of this church, came to faith in Jesus at this church, got baptized in this church, God's been at work in your family. And you've got a story when it comes to uh, kind of the financial game plan. Why don't you talk about us just for a minute about kind of your, some of the challenges that you've experienced financially? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, as many of you, I grew up in a, a home that, you know, money management was not a topic uh, that I learned about, right? So money was something to spend. And uh, ultimately, you know, our family was in a lot of debt. And I, I didn't learn a lot from that and ended up doing the same thing. And, you know, ultimately, there were three separate times in my life um, that I was completely broken on the verge of bankruptcy and had to climb out of those, those experiences one by one. So it was very challenging. So how'd you do that? Because today we've got a financial workshop um, called Tackling Debt. What a good name for a financial workshop in our financial game plan. But how did you tackle debt? I know you're planning on being a part of that workshop to gain some extra knowledge. 
because um, we talked about it, even for those people that are thinking about sending their kids to college, like, hey, let's be careful, maybe plan on not going into debt to send kids to college and that kind of stuff. But tell me, how did you tackle the debt? Well, as you might imagine, the toughest step is the first one, right? You have to take stock of your finances and see where you're at and uh, kind of separate needs and wants, right? What can, how can you budget and create a spending plan and then ultimately tackle debt? And it's a very, it can be a difficult process. It can be a very rewarding process. And certainly in my case, it has been, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. And you even taught a workshop called Building a Spending Plan. And we're going to offer that in the upcoming months ahead for you guys. So today we've got a bunch of you guys have registered for that. And somebody stepped forward and said, hey, I'll pay for everybody that wants to go to that debt, tackling debt workshop. Um, but you, you, you've taught this class of creating a spending plan. We'll do more of that. But tell us, how has God blessed your obedience to get on a financial game plan? So uh, my plan once I became a Christian, I was baptized a little over two years ago, and uh, was to, to continue to give incrementally and increase that regardless of my income. And so I did that for actually a couple of years. And uh, recently, uh, as a result, I believe, uh, you know, in the trust that I put in the Lord, God trusted me back and uh, made a big change in our lives. And uh, I was recently uh, re- the recipient of, a, of a, a very large promotion at my work. And uh, so it's, it's really changed our lives. It's amazing. And what's really cool, guys, is I've got to... I, what's really great is that when we as a church... We exist to gather people to worship Jesus, help them to grow in their faith, and then to go out and do ministry and missions through the world. And Will has impacted not only in, the, in his family and his community, but also at his workplace. They recently promoted him the managing director at Charles Schwab. And uh, for his excellence in leadership, I walked the floors with him in his business environment. And all the employees around him like, he's, he's so awesome. He's the greatest. And then they're holding up books. They're like, look what Will got me. Will got me this book. Will does this. Will does that. And I'm like walking with a team of guys with that are part of our church. And I'm like, that's ministry in the marketplace. That's ministry in the market. He caught the vision of what it looks like to be a Christian in his sphere of influence. So you got this position, and how was that a game changer for your family, and how did that impact your finances and your faith? Well, I mean, as you can imagine, it was a large financial impact, and I think in the past I probably would have taken that, that money and spent it, um, but now with the, the foundational uh, biblical teachings that I follow now, um, it's given me the opportunity, I stress that word, to give at a, to a greater degree, and that's where the real joy is for me now, right? So my family has chosen not to increase our lifestyle based on this promotion, but to instead increase the way that we give, uh, not only to our church, um, but to, you know, ev- all the opportunities that we come across, right, to be able to bless the people, God's people. So it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. And what's really cool is that his, 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 the story of seeing Will, um, you got the chance to baptize your kiddos. Yeah. I think we've got some pictures of that. Why don't you share just a little bit about that experience right there? Well, um, <laughs> I don't know if you can see the tears in those pictures, but uh, you know, those were two very emotional moments for me. I, I cried the, like a baby in those pictures, but um, it was just an amazing moment to me, uh, you know, not having a Christian background, seeing my children be able to grow up in a household that believed in Jesus Christ and followed his teachings. And so that, I can't even describe in words what that moment was like. So it was amazing. Well, it's really cool. Can we celebrate what God's doing in Will's life? Well, thank you so much. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this man right here. Lord, thank you for the many people that are give and serve so that 
men like uh, Will can be reached with the gospel, come to faith, be baptized, and then turn around and make a difference in the marketplace, and not just in the marketplace, but in the lives of his kids. And Lord, this is a, a, a beautiful picture of seeing disciples make disciples. And Lord, we pray for your name and fame to go out throughout all this North Valley and all the marketplaces and all the areas that you have us living for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate Will one more time. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to walk through these principles with you. Um, and again, I decided to do this just because this book was what shaped my thinking and theology, uh, perhaps more than any other book outside of the Bible um, when it comes to stewardship. And so I, I figured for those of you that aren't readers, you can just listen for the next 20 plus minutes and you got the Cliff Notes version, okay? So I want to encourage you, um, if you can, pick up a copy of it. Um, we gave them all away and um, in the back of this little book is actually called a giving covenant. It's a covenant that I'm actually taking my family through and that we're going to um, do this on behalf, before the Lord and say, this is how we want to live with our finances. The second principle, though, in, in understanding a financial game plan to help guide you is realize number two is that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Um, Jesus said it like this, is store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, he is give, he's serving as kind of a, a, an investment guide to help you understand the, the greatest treasure and resources that you'll ever receive is those that you store up for eternity. So he has your best interest in mind. He didn't suggest this. He actually commands this idea that we're to store up treasures in heaven. You might ask the question is, is what are the kinds of treasure? Well, the first treasure is, is Jesus. It's a person. Our greatest treasure is Jesus Christ. Our second treasure is heaven. We get the, the joy, the privileges of heaven. It's a place. And the third, it's possessions. It's eternal rewards. Um, it's interesting to me is that the ancient Egyptians, I've talked about this, had this idea that you can indeed take it with you. Jesus is telling us that we can't. But maybe you've, you've heard of King Tut. King Tut was a, an, an Egyptian young boy king, 17 years old. He died. They buried him with gold chariots. On top of the gold chariots, they poured thousands and thousands of gold artifacts into his tomb. And then they... In, encapsulated him with a gold tomb, and then on top of that, a gold tomb, and then on top of that, a gold tomb, with the idea that he would need all this wealth with him when he goes into the afterlife. And what Jesus tells us is, in Matthew's gospel, is not to store up treasures on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven. Here's an important point I want you to think about. It's there in your program, is that you should start your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. Um, you don't want to get stuck with tons of resources at the end of your life and be like me down in Dallas, Texas with my family with tons of material possessions in a room with a bunch of family members with no clear will and there's arguments everywhere about who gets what. It ruins things. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do is start this mindset. I can't take it with me, but I can send it ahead. What I could do is I could start my giving while I'm living so I know where it's going. I want to encourage you to do that. And even think about this with your kids. Those of you that are older and you're starting to write your wills, 
think about a spiritual heritage more than an inheritance. What you want to leave your kids more than anything is a heritage of the Christian faith, of what it looks like to live as a Christian in the marketplace or in the educational space or whatever career that they choose. Think about a spiritual heritage more than an inheritance. Sometimes the worst thing you can give somebody is lots of financial resources. So I want to encourage you, number two, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. The third point is this, is that my heart goes where I put God's money. Jesus said it like this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever you decide to invest your money will determine what you value. If you were to take a look at my um, financial bank account and you see all of my spending, um, then you would probably be able to take a highlighter, go to the big numbers and go, that's what they value. If you were to look at your own checkbook at the register, just highlight the big items and that's what you value. Um, This is very important for us. Um, uh, when, When you decide if this is your church, you ought to invest your resources here because it's investing into God's kingdom. Here, this is your place of worship. Years ago, we had a family that wanted to, um, they loved the church, their life was changed by the church, and then they were decided that they were going to move down to Tucson. They said to me, Pastor Ryan, we love the church so much, we listen to every podcast, we still will come back periodically from Tucson and visit the church, and we're going to continue to tithe and give offerings. And I said, hey, listen, I'd encourage you not to do that. And they said, why? And I said, because... If there's a church that you can invest in that can be your new church home, that's where your heart needs to be because that's the place, that's the kingdom outpost that God's called you to and that's where you're to invest into. It's important that you understand this principle. Your heart just always goes wherever you put God's money. So if all your resources are invested into real estate, then that may be where your heart is. If your money is all in travel, that may be where your heart is. If your heart is all in stocks, that could be where all your heart is. And so I'm just saying, just think about it practically as a principle. Jesus said this, let's look at the passage again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want a heart for missions, invest into missions. If you want a heart for the poor, give towards the poor. If you want a heart for your church, Give towards the church. Just wherever you put your money, Jesus says, that's where your heart will be. Does it make sense? Number three, number four, here's the fourth giving principle or the stewardship principle is giving is the only antidote towards materialism. Materialism is the accumulation of things, stuff. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy and he says, as for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, that means to be arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So there's something that you need to understand here. God wants you to enjoy, enjoy material possessions. I enjoy an iPhone. I like Apple. I don't like PC. I, I enjoy, and some of you are like, boo, of course. There's debate on that. Uh, so uh, there's nothing wrong with enjoying things. And he even says it. He says, rely on God, set their hopes on, on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The Bible says that God created everything, and it was good. But he gives us a challenge. Look at verse 18. He says, they are to do good 
to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Look at verse 19. The apostle Paul understands what Jesus taught about treasure. He says, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Just like Jesus was talking about, laying up treasures in heaven for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The more life that you find, you find more life in giving than you do receiving. Does that sound familiar? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's funny, um, um, Will was telling me a story. We went out to lunch the other day, and he said to me, he goes, you know, Pastor Ryan, I took up that, 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 that challenge, and, and we're giving, we're tithing, and we've given offerings too, and I'll just tell you some of the best financial investments I've ever made were like simple ones, like when you called on the church to give towards that playground. And he said, and when, when that issue came up in the church about it, that playground that we could invest into, he said, it was a tough time for us and we had to make some hard decisions. He said, and I remember writing the check and giving it towards it and thinking, this is going to be really challenging for me, but I really want to do it anyway. And he told me, he says, that was the best investment I could have made. He goes, every time I drive past that playground, I'm like, I helped do that. I was a part of that. Giving is the antidote for materialism. It's interesting to me, I, um, I heard a story recently I want to share with you guys, is this, is uh, um, in 1888, when a humble Swede by the name of Ludwig Noble died, the French press confused him with his younger brother, Alfred. Alfred was actually alive and well. He wasn't dead. His brother had died but the French press got it wrong. He was an entrepreneur, Alfred was, and he was an inventor. He had massed this massive fortune uh, making deadly dynamite and ballistics. The French press called him the merchant of death. His obituary described him as a killer, a destructive force upon humanity. And Alfred had the rare opportunity to see his life legacy before he was actually dead. Kind of like Scrooge Ebenezer. When Alfred read the misprint in the paper about his death, he had the rare opportunity of witnessing his legacy while he was still alive. He found himself actually heartbroken about what his life was about. And he decided to make a change and change his story before it was too late. He says he made, he made the decision to use his wealth to change his legacy. When he died years later, he left more than $9 million towards uh, awarding people who were doing good in the world, he wanted to award those who had made the world a better place. The awards became known as the Nobel Prizes, the Nobel Peace Prizes too. And so what we see here is that, you know, we've got a chance here and now to make a legacy, to make an impact in the area of giving, in the area of kingdom advancement. And the greatest antidote towards materialism is giving. Giving is, I wrote this in your notes, is giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and it exalts Jesus. Anytime we do that, because we're trusting him, it dethrones me as to a greater person and a greater agenda. The fifth principle that um, you would learn in the treasure principle book is this, is that heaven, not earth, is my home. John Wesley, um, famous preacher in a few hundred years ago, um, was writing throughout Europe. He had accumulated a lot of wealth because he was a, uh, a prolific writer. 
and had all sorts of royalties attached to his name. Somebody comes up to him and says, "Uh, John Wesley, did you know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your house burnt down. And he says, oh, well, just one less thing to worry about. It's God's house. It's not my house. He had this understanding that what he received was not necessarily his. He understood this idea that he was a steward. He understood that he was a manager, and it was one less thing to manage. The Bible teaches this idea that we're citizens in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our, our eternal, lifelong home is. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The point is, is that we're, we're citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. In order to guide your financial game plan, you have to get in the mentality that you're not here forever. And that how we live now can determine how we live later. It it brings up this point, that I should live for today, not for the dot, but for the line. Let me read you the passage of scripture, and then I'll illustrate this. The Bible teaches this idea that we're to live in light of eternity, constantly thinking about eternity. Anytime I get depressed, discouraged, or just down and out, I start thinking about, okay, hang on, Lord. You said I'm going to live forever. Okay, well, I think I can endure a little bit of time now. I'm going to ask for the help of your Holy Spirit, and I'm going to start putting my eyes towards eternity and move that direction. Here's what 2 Corinthians tells us. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's the point, that we're to live for eternity. So what does that look like? Well, let's use that dot and that line example. From the dot, our present life on earth. That's life on earth. We live in the dot. We were born in the dot. And we will die in the dot. That's life on earth. We have a date of of birth. And we have a date of death. And if you want to have fun, you can get on deathclock.com and find your date of death. Depending on your health, they'll give a good estimate for it. It's funny. Do I believe in that? No, I really don't, but I think it's a fun exercise. Um, The date, uh, the dot is where we live, but then there the line extends is life in heaven. You have eternity in heaven. And so how you live now determines the the experience that you'll have in some regards to the life in heaven. And so we're to live not for just the dot, but live for the line. Interesting to me, I, I, I heard a story as well about R.G. Letourneau. I don't know. Maybe as you drive past here, you've seen the big earth-moving machines out, that are out there. 200 homes are going in right next door to us. And then beyond that, Illumination, as I hear it's their last year to operate, they're putting 400 new homes in. Um, the inventor of many of those earth-moving machines is a guy by the name of R.G. Letourneau. He was called the the greatest obstacle mover in history. He built these huge earth machines during World War II. He produced 70% of the army's earth-moving machines. And he was a devout Christian. He called God the chairman of his board. Uh, Letourneau had this eternal perspective. Many people saw Letourneau as one of the most influential people in the past hundred years, kind of the father father of modern-day earth-moving machines. He was responsible for 299 inventions. The inventions included the bulldozer, the scrapers, the portable cranes, the dump wagons, the bridge spans, the logging equipment, mobile sea platforms, oil exploration, the electric wheelchair. That was Letourneau. 
this is a guy who had an, a, a, a mindset for eternity. He introduced all sorts of these, uh, in, these uh, inventions. He invented the industry of the rubber tire for these big machines. He invented and developed, the, the, like I said, the electric wheelchair and more. His life verse was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What was interesting about Laterno, though, is he understood this mindset of eternity. He gave 90% of his profit away and kept only 10% for himself. His special friend was Billy Graham. He invested into Billy Graham's ministry. I don't know if Billy Graham's ministry would have made the impact that it made had God not raised up a guy like Laterno to invest into kingdom work. Laterno was convinced that he could never outgive God. He says, I shovel it out, he would say, and God shovels it back in, but God always has a bigger shovel. He really believed that. He believed that God was blessing him because he would entrust his resources back into the kingdom of God, and God continued to just shovel it back into his life. Um, it's interesting to me is even that mindset is a little bit um, uh, mentioned by the Apostle Paul. This brings to the seventh principle is this, is that God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Laterno believed that, that God was entrusting to him resources and wealth so that he could redistribute it and invest it into God's kingdom. Uh, that's exactly what Will just said just a few moments ago. He goes, I really believe that God didn't just give it to me. He said, he trusted me. Very key word, he trusted. What did I tell you at the very beginning? There's a great example of a bad money manager. God doesn't want us to be bad money managers. He wants us to be good money managers. Um, Bernie, Bernie Madoff had it confused. He decided he'd be a bad money manager. He says, you give me the money, you're entrusting me, I, I, I'm gonna receive that as mine. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You, you, we don't live like that. What we do is we decide to live as a good money manager the Lord is going to entrust us and we're going to do what he wants us to do with it. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this, you will be enriched in every way and so that you can be generous on every occasion. The prosperity gospel movement is a, what I would call heresy. It's a half-truth. The prosperity gospel movement would say something along the lines of you will be enriched in every way so that you can just have more and more and more. But the Apostle Paul doesn't tell us that. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we will be enriched in every way for a purpose so that we can be generous on every occasion and through our generosity result in thanksgiving to God. The encouragement is that God gives us more than we need so that we can give generously. I want to share with you a story. Years ago, when my family um, came to the Phoenix Valley, we knew that one day we would need a property. And years ago, I, um, I prayed with my wife and, and uh, I prayed with my family and I said, hey, um, I think that we found the land and our staff team found this property right here. And I asked, I said, hey, why don't we do this? Let's see if we could buy this property. It was far more money than we had. It was going to be a far more complex project. But I knew because of the great recession, this property opened up at a good price. And I told my staff team, it was on a Christmas <laughs> several years ago, and we had just made it through some major success in seeing God work in major ways, and I stopped everybody, and I just said, I'm really kind of nervous to share this with you, and I don't mean to deflate everything, and I know we just moved to the movie theater, and I know it's all, everybody's focused on that, 
And I think I found a property and I think we need to buy it. And I think we need to move fast, like just in a few months. And they were like, are you serious? It was like a party killer for a moment. And I said, and I need you to pray about giving all that you can above and beyond. And they're like, oh my gosh, Ryan. And so I, I said, Lord, what do I do? How do I, how do I get involved? And here's the story of my life. My dad grew up. Um, he didn't have a ton of money in Dallas, Texas, and decided one day he was going to um, become a Christian psychiatrist, and he's accumulated some wealth over his lifetime. And then he came to me before we left for Phoenix and said, hey, Ryan, I need you to know that the family Rice Ranch has been growing, and we've allotted for you an inheritance so that when you decide to come back, because that's how they all do in the South, when you decide to come back home and enter back into the fold... Uh, then you'll have some land and some horses and all that stuff. And I said, Dad, I really appreciate it, but God's called me west, and I'm not coming back. And uh, that was a tough conversation. So when this property came up, I flew back to Arkansas, and I'll show you a picture of the rice ranch. And uh, you can't hardly see it very well. Google Earth uh, will work on that next time. But you can see a number of houses. Those are my brother's homes. Uh, my brothers built their property and have their horses and their stuff. And... Um, you don't see our home there um, because we believe that God called us to Phoenix and there was no looking back. We're going to go towards this. And so what happened is when this big campaign came together to raise the resources, I told my wife, sweetie, we got to do everything we can. We got to lead by example. Our, our, our home is not earth. Our home is in heaven. I'm going to have to see what we can do. So we sold our house, took the proceeds of the house, gave towards the church a portion of them. Um, then we, 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 we moved, and then we turned around, and we gave above and beyond what we could, and then I did the most audacious thing I've done in my family, and I flew back to Arkansas and had a back porch conversation with Dad. I said, Dad, would you be so bold to let me sell the property back in Ar here in Arkansas and give 100% of the proceeds to the church? He, like, choked on his coffee. He's like, son, we don't do that. That's not how we operate. No, I won't do that. And I said, fly out to Phoenix and just walk the property with me. We walked the property. This place was just a disaster. And he walked through it and he started to cry. And he said to me, son, this isn't a good idea. This is a must do. I'll have a conversation with your mom and your brothers and we'll figure it out. He flew back to Arkansas and he came up with this plan and he just said, oh, we're going to give you the value of your property. We're going to hold on to the property. We can't split up the property, but we're going to give a massive chunk of resources so that you guys can move forward and get that property. And by God's grace, we received everything we needed and the whole church followed. Many of you guys were a part of that and we were able to secure this. And here's the, the story as to why I believe. God put me in a place, in a position where there was enough in my family, okay? Where we had enough. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, we have more than enough. I think God's positioned me and placed me in a position to where we can do without some so that we can build a greater kingdom in heaven, not on earth. And so he went for it and we did it. And by God's grace, you guys all chipped in and you guys all contributed sacrificially. So I want to say thank you to that because we're here today. Amen. Well, in, in closing, I want to tell you this is um, a couple things is that I want to encourage you as you think about investing into kingdom uh, work here at the church 
is um, we've got a special gift for you. We're doing this thing called year-end giving, and this helps fuel our ministry um, and our future. As a staff, um, we are needing to move forward and to uh, bring on uh, Pastor Craig full-time. I'd like to help invest more financial resources into our student ministries. That's a growing ministry. Um, Melinda's up here clapping. And uh, we need as well to invest into the women's ministries, growing. You guys had a great brunch on Saturday. So um, what I want to encourage you, our general fund, that's the year-end giving, that's how you feel local ministry right here at North Valley. If you plan to or decide to or want to, uh, but you're going to do that, uh, that gift, uh, I want to encourage you, you can pick up this little booklet called Psalms for the Season. And it's written by my professors down at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, I have a gift for, for you guys to be able to pick that up. If you plan on making that gift, that's our way to say thank you for investing above and beyond your regular giving here at our church. And so let me pray for us. I thank you for um, just serving and giving in our church. Together, we're making a great big difference for Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity uh, to minister here at the church And I pray, Father, that I would continue to just help share your word and encourage people to join me and join our staff team to be servants of the great high king of heaven. We love you and give you thanks. Multiply our gifts for the name and fame of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.